You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Rentschler, Episode 8. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rentschler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Star Coach Show. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, and am so glad that you've joined us today. This week in the United States, we are celebrating Thanksgiving, a wonderful time to come together with friends and family and maybe even strangers to focus on giving thanks. Now, I understand that we also focus a lot on food on Thanksgiving, but what I'd like to focus on is the celebration of gratitude. There has been an incredible amount of research done on the benefits of gratitude, and they're truly almost endless. People who focus on appreciation and gratitude are more hopeful. They're healthier. They are able to relish good experiences and focus on what is and what can be rather than what isn't. This leads to better sleep, it leads to feeling better about ourselves and having increased self-confidence. And we'll talk in the show today about how increased confidence helps us be better coaches and better able to market our coaching businesses. People who are grateful are more empathetic and they're more helpful and they have better bounce back muscles. They have increased resiliency. So I love the fact that we have a holiday that focuses on the giving of thanks. It is certainly my hope that we don't wait till November of every year to do so and that we are able to actually take the time each and every week to express gratitude and share appreciation. I was talking to my brother recently. He's a teacher in a middle school in Las Vegas, and he was approached by a group of middle schoolers wanting him to sponsor a new group that they wanted to start. They wanted to start a random acts of kindness group. Now, Patrick was unable to do that because he is a math teacher and has to be in his classroom after school to help tutor. But he told them, you need to go see Mrs. Fitz, who's his wife, in the office, and she would be the best sponsor. And I've got to tell you that my sister-in-law, Susie, is the very best sponsor for a group around random acts of kindness. So this group of middle schoolers had the idea they wanted to pay it forward. They wanted to show kindness. And so they meet once a week and they do wonderful things like, what, two weeks ago, Patrick walked out to his car after school and they had been out in the parking lot earlier leaving messages around the teacher's cars. Thank you for teaching us. You're an awesome teacher. Just wonderful, appreciative messages that created warmth for the people receiving those messages. And I guarantee you create incredible warmth for the kids that gave as well. So that's an incredible example of how we can reach out and touch people each and every day, not just on Thanksgiving. But I am very thankful and grateful for all of you 
and am also thankful and grateful for our guest on today's show. My dear friend, Dan Wilson, has joined us to talk about the evolution of his coaching practice after leaving 30 years in bond trading and investment banking. Dan decided that it was time to transition out of that high-stress, high-risk industry and find something else that he could do in his 50s, 60s, who knows, maybe even his 70s. And he talks about his transition into coaching, the successes and the challenges that he faced. Dan is the founder and president of Wisdom and Leadership, which is a coaching and consulting leadership firm here in the Dallas area. He shares his path. Dan has had the opportunity to coach many people in many different industries and is just a kind, generous person. And I know you're going to enjoy my interview with him. So let's go to the interview with Dan Wilson. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for asking me. Well, I've known Dan for years, and he's a dear, dear friend of mine and a great example of how you can move into coaching from a corporate or a business background and become very, very successful. So I reached out to Dan and really wanted to be able to share his expertise with all of you, and he was kind enough to agree. Dan, can you share a little bit with us about your background And then ultimately, from your business background, what interested you and led you into coaching? My previous life was I spent 30 years in the bond trading and investment banking business, basically with a large Wall Street firm. The last part of my career, the last 16, 17 years, I was managing director for the Southwest for UBS Financial Services for their municipal securities group. So my background is really I'm a Wall Street bond trader, which sounds like an odd fit for an executive coach. That was a great career, and I had a great time. I was very successful at that. But it is a young person's game, and uh, it's very high pressure. It's, you know, high-risk game to be in. And when you're young, that's fun and exciting and, and all those sorts of things. But when you start to get a little older, it begins to wear on you, and it can impact your health if you're not careful. So I actually left that career at the age of 54, which was a young age to, as some people call it, retire. It wasn't really retirement for me, but I left that industry actually not knowing what I was going to do next. Okay, so the plan for coaching had yet to be established. The plan for coaching had yet to be established. And my intention always has been not to retire but rather to change careers into something like bond trading that I could do the rest of my life. So I was having lunch with a friend one day, and he mentioned that he was using a coach to help him with his own business. That was my first time to even hear about coaching. And what was it about even hearing that that brought some interest to you? Well, part of it was the fact that I just needed some help. Mm-hmm. I needed somebody to talk to. The only thing I knew was I didn't know what a coach did exactly, but I knew that this person that he was using was somebody that I could at least talk to and perhaps could give me some guidance. So 
he introduced me to her and we met for an interview. And then I hired her to work with me as my coach. And we worked together for about nine months. Something occurred to me that maybe I ought to try this coaching thing. And part of that had to do is I look back on my business career. The thing that seemed to be one of my greatest strengths was leadership. And I say leadership, but it's also coaching in a way. It went sort of organically. Obviously, I didn't know what that was, but I managed people really well. Okay. So some of the reasoning towards thinking about coaching, how did you then take the plunge into? It was real simple. I had some business cards made up and and, um, sort of metaphorically hung out a shingle. Okay. And I'm a coach. And... (laughs) And um, what happened? Family friend built me a very cheap website with a few little things on there. I had no idea what I was doing, but I thought, well, I can do this. And lo and behold, somewhere out of the blue, some guy found me and hired me as a coach. <laughs> and, you know, my first client. All right. And How so, long had your shingle hung before that first client came? Well, I don't remember exactly uh-huh. all that long, maybe three or four months, maybe. I don't know. Uh-huh. But I didn't know how to get my name out there. I was just kind of scrambling around to get some traction. So this guy came along, and again, his issues were a little bit more career-oriented. I thought at the time my focus was, again, going to be maybe this uh, midlife transitional thing. And I was kind of interested in creativity because I'd also been working on things to awaken my own creativity. And I was intrigued by that. And so I was, as I kind of, as I look back on it, I'm maybe off in la-la land a little bit at the time. But But trying to kind of assimilate some of your own growth and your own processes into the value you could bring into coaching. That's right. So I'll just kind of take a brief pause here just to say, make one comment. My story is one of evolution in an evolving business, which when we end this interview is still in process, is still evolving. I I I was more clear and focused than certainly than it was, but uh, I think it's an ongoing evolution. So the next thing that happened was that I become good friends with a man who owned his own business. And after talking to me and understanding what I was doing with coaching, he came to me and he said, you know, I really need a coach. And he hired me and he hired me to coach him as a CEO business owner. Ultimately, the next step was I coached his executive team, did some business consulting too, and eventually, I wound up basically coaching everybody in that company. He was the longest client I ever had. I worked he and his company for probably six or seven years. And this is still at this point, Dan, before you've really done any, quote, formal coach training, but you're getting out there, people are hiring you. And like you said, you're evolving to determine who you are as a coach. Right. And actually, it was not long after he hired me that I began to realize that if I were I'm really serious about this, that I really do need to get some training and education. And I looked around at different avenues for that and wound up choosing the UTD program. And partly I liked the fact that it was an academic institution and it was um, 
accredited graduate work and all that sort of thing. I, I, that seemed meaningful to me. So as I was working with this client and a few others at the time, I was going through the UTD program. The other thing that struck me when this gentleman hired me to work in his business, a light bulb went off that I've got years and years of successful business experience, and it makes sense that I should be coaching in some form or fashion in the business environment. Sort of shifted my focus away from this baby boomer transitional kind of thing, type of thing into more into the business environment where I'm very comfortable and have a great deal of experience. And it just, that made sense to me. It was like a wake-up call. So uh, probably did some, and still do, part of that was consulting, some business consulting, which I have some expertise to, or at least some background to do. So in the midst of this transition, and you did a great job of kind of laying out that it's not like flipping a switch. There's an evolution to it. There's an element of trying to find what really resonates with you and the clientele that makes sense to you. In the midst of that journey, what kinds of challenges would you say you faced and maybe even at times didn't know for sure how you were going to overcome? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I think for me, one of my challenges was to gain the self-confidence that I knew what I was doing when I was working with people. Maybe more importantly, that I had the self-confidence to market myself in a serious mm. way. They knew I was serious about what I do. You know, what's interesting is, and I may be jumping ahead, but part of what we do with whatever it is any of us do when we're professionals is we talk about developing an elevator speech. And I've worked at that, and, you know, I guess I have one. When we're starting off with anything, that's one of the things we try to do is develop a little 30-second elevator speech of of what we do. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that today I clearly have an elevator speech that I can mention, but I will tell you that I've overcome that problem, that challenge I had of people taking me seriously. What do you think created that? Is self-confidence. Part of it is Mm -hmm. developing a real passion for what I do. And I notice when people hear me talk about what I do, they take notice. They listen. Now, I'll tell you a quick story. And this just recently happened. This was really just a couple of weeks ago. We were attending an event, and it was a big sort of fundraiser type event, cocktail party thing. There were a lot of people there, people from kind of all over the state. And oddly enough, I ran into a guy that I had worked with at UBS many years ago. I probably hadn't seen him in over 20 years. Oh, wow. So it was kind of fun, you know. Again, this is a, people are all over the place. It's a cocktail party type event. Right. We're having this conversation. He's asking what I was doing and I was telling him and I was talking about how, about executive coaching and he was asking me questions about what I do with that, what type of people I coach and what I focus on and i I mentioned in particular leadership development, which is more what I do now than what I focus on now than anything else. There was another gentleman standing next to us. He was with this guy and we hadn't introduced ourselves or anything, but he was over. He was listening to the conversation. Finally, 
he butted in and introduced himself to me and told me what he did. And he said, I need somebody like you to help me with what I do. And tell me this, when you had first started coaching, do you believe that you would have been presenting yourself in the same style that would have attracted somebody just in a room that you weren't even necessarily talking to, to the level that you do now with your comfort within what you do and how you do it? Does that question make sense? Yes, and absolutely not. So I think that one of the things, Dan, when we talk about sort of that elevator pitch, it's not so much, for me personally, coming from a place of having been a therapist and private practice for over, what, 25 years, I have to admit that when I first went into coaching, it was almost easier to introduce myself as a therapist than as a coach because I knew what I did inside and out as a therapist. And until I got really comfortable with what I do as a coach, I found that it wasn't as easy to just naturally talk about it. Coaching is one of those things that maybe not everybody understands or knows about. So one of the values perhaps in at least practicing introducing yourself is getting comfortable in your skin as a coach. And like you've talked about, the evolution that you made in getting tighter and clearer about the kind of coach you are, the kinds of people that you bring value to, created that conversation just a couple weeks ago that actually attracted somebody to you that you weren't even talking to. Yeah, that's right. And I think you're exactly right. We have to be comfortable in our own skin about what we're doing. And I love what you said about it was easier for you to talk about being a therapist than it was being a coach. And I found myself for a long time say, well, I'm an executive coach, but I used to be a bond trader. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd always go back and refer to my former previous life. Yes. That gave me more credibility. And that took a while to overcome. And I can't take full credit. Part of this evolution is my own evolution. And part of it's the evolution of the coaching industry. Because when I started doing this in about 2004, Coaching was so new then, so many people, like in a cocktail party environment, had no clue what a coach was. Two years before, neither did I. Exactly. What has changed is the profile of coaching has gone way, way up. And that's to the credit of the coaching industry and the people who've led the charge on that. And the The organizations. uh, Organizations like the ICF and so forth. That certainly our industry has a lot higher profile than it once did. Can you tell us a little bit about where you are today? Where have you landed and what are you doing within your coaching practice now? Yeah, I would say that most of my focus today is on leadership development. That ties directly into the business type coaching, although leadership is not exclusive to quote unquote corporate type business or for-profit business necessarily. Uh, Leadership is leadership. And so most of what I focus on has to do with that. I'm still perfectly capable of talking about business and business models and particularly the sales side of business. I understand that. I've spent 30 years in the financial service industry. I can talk about the financial industry a great deal. I know all of that. 
but my passion has zeroed in more and more on the leadership side of things. I've had an opportunity to learn things from what's going on in the military, mm-hmm. uh, among other things. And I know that you volunteered within church organizations because churches need leadership as well. The healthcare industry, huh? Lots of I, different. I actually worked in both of those areas: higher education, the healthcare industry, clergy. In fact, I just uh, completed a certification in coaching for clergy, and I do uh, coach some clergy. And I do have—I probably should mention this. There is a spiritual component to my own coaching. I don't impose that on people mm-hmm. by any means, but most people, anyone that reads my website knows that's part of who I am. When you have a weekly blog that's just really powerful and that essence of who you are comes through very clearly in your weekly message. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've been writing those for, I think this is the 12th year I've been writing those weekly uh, messages. And uh, that's been part of my marketing as well, a way to keep my name out there and keep my name in front of people. And you have been so consistent in that. There is not a Monday that goes by that at six o'clock in the morning, I don't get your message. So your consistency with that, I think that those people who are thinking about how do I get my name out there? What are some tools that I use? Your message is really powerful each week. But in addition to that, I think one of the most powerful things about it is that consistency is, if I didn't have a Monday more, I would think that maybe something horrible had happened to you during the week. You are so consistent with that. Well, I try to be. (laughs) It's a big part of what I do. Yeah, I was thinking, Meg, about the things that, you know, your audience might be interested in, people who are doing this profession and so forth, how you get a footing in this business. And I don't have a clear-cut answer for that, but I think that You just have to be in front of people, however you do that. I mean, the most basic thing is to have a business card, website, or some sort of collateral material that you put together about yourself and what you do is critical. It doesn't have to be terribly sophisticated, but... But it all adds credibility. It all adds credibility. Got to experiment with things. I've rebranded myself twice since I started on this journey, and uh, I'm on my third website and pretty pleased with it at this point, but that could change too. But the main thing is, and we talk about networking, uh, you know, networking can mean a lot of different things, but we have to be out among people Mm -hmm. uh, one way or another, both in social media and face-to-face. I believe that. One of the things that's, that's sort of fascinated me is in one of the network groups that you and I are both involved in is our local ICF chapter. That's how we met one another. It is how we met. And it's interesting that I think I have probably gotten more business referrals from fellow coaches than any other single resource. You know, I would have to agree with you. We think we're competitors and we are in a way and we actually go head to head sometimes. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. and I know you could do this too, Meg, sometimes a client is interviewing three or four coaches and I may be one of them and my friends are the others. And we absolutely that the client needs to pick someone who they are comfortable with. And it may or may not be me. It may be one of my friends. It may be you. Mm -hmm. We have to be okay with that. We have to be generous with each other 
in that regard and know that without expecting it, without going into things with a quid pro quo attitude, but with a generous attitude, that business will come our way. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. And it is in wanting what's best for every time I'm interviewed for a job. I tell the client who's interviewing me, coaching is also about chemistry. It's about relationship. And I want you to pick who you believe is the person that you relate to best, the person that you believe you're going to have the most success with. And that is what's more important to me than getting this job or anything is that you create the partnership you need to, to get to where you want to be. And I believe that wholeheartedly and have certainly not been picked for everything that I'm interviewed for, but have that hope that that person is consistently picking the partner and the coach that they need to get to where they want to be. That's right. Well, Dan, I am so appreciative of you taking the time to share your evolution with the audience. Dan, thanks again. It is always a pleasure to spend time with you. Thanks again to Dan Wilson for sharing his wisdom and his journey with all of us. If you'd like to know more about Dan or about the show, visit us at StarCoachShow.com. Check out our resource page. Check out the old episodes and any information that you want about any of our guests. Also, be sure to sign up for the ongoing book giveaway so that you might get one of our autographed copies of a book from one of our guests on the show. So have a happy Thanksgiving. Have a wonderful week. Pay it forward. Show gratitude. I'm so grateful that you joined us today. And until next week, this is Meg Rentschler. Wishing you the very best coaching success.